The Colorado Equals Security Podcast is your local source for regional security news, local events, and interviews with key individuals in the region. Now, here are your hosts, Rob Reck and Alex Wood. Welcome to Colorado Equal Security. This is the newscast for episode 100. 100. 100 for the week of January 14th, 2019. Alex, congratulations. Uh, thanks, Rob. Appreciate that. Uh, I, we'll, I, we'll have to insert some sound effects here with like uh, fireworks, fireworks and, and yeah, and, you know, noisemakers, all that kind of stuff. Uh, I, I did a little bit of searching to see what's the traditional gift for the 100th anniversary. <laughs> uh, and believe it or not, they it, don't go that high. Is it a casket? <laughs> they, they, they actually stop at 60, oh. which seems a little, uh, a little uh, conservative to me. Yeah, you would think maybe, I don't know. 70, 75? I mean, if you, get, if you get married at age, you know, 16, which, you know, 100 years ago, people did. Yeah. Um, you, should, you should be able to get to the 70th anniversary occasionally, 80th anniversary occasionally. Yeah, you would think so. Yeah. Well, hey, um, this is uh, this is fun. We have a, a fun interview later today with Andre Gaeta interviewing us. Right. To talk about the, the show and what it's been like to do 100 episodes of this. Um, but, you know, generally we have a normal newscast today. Yeah. Maybe we should have, you know, something even more spectacular than we are. But really, yeah. it's just business as usual. It's, it's really hard to believe there could be something more spectacular <laughs> than this. Well, Rob, here's to another 100 episodes. Another 100 episodes. Uh, and, and this time we can do it in, in half the time. Th- there you go. Let's, let's pick it up. Uh, um, all right. Let's go into So we have some housekeeping. Uh, there is a Slack channel. We'd love to get you guys engaged in the Slack channel where uh, you can come chat with, with other security folks from, from Denver and all across Colorado. There's even some folks from outside of the state. We also have a mailing list. Uh, sign up for the mailing list if you want us to sell your information to marketers. Oh, I, no, I mean, no, 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 no. Just kidding. We don't do that. Um, in case you want to get the show notes in email. Um, also, uh, we have uh, on the different services, we'd love for you to rate us. Uh, tell everyone how wonderful the podcast is. And of course, subscribe through those services, get your automatic downloads. And if you want to support the show uh, and, and let us, you know, help us offset the costs of running the show, we, we have a Patreon campaign set up. And we, number one, big thanks to our current patrons. Uh, we really do appreciate you guys. Thanks for continuing every month to, to give to the show and help support us. None of the money we get from that ever goes into our own pockets. It goes directly back out to the community through the podcast, through the, the hard costs of hosting and all that stuff. Uh, and we would love it if you know more of you'd be interested in supporting. And if you are unable to support through financial means, we would love you to support us by just telling a friend, passing along the message, tell everybody about Colorado Equal Security, send them to the website, colorado-security.com or have them subscribe to the podcast. Awesome. Well, moving forward here, uh, our first story is that there is a there's a survey of the top 100 or the top largest cities in the United States looking for what is the most active city in the United States. And wh- where do you think Denver came in? I would have to say we came in number one, Rob. You'd be right, except for the cost of bowling in Denver is what? just too high. What? I know this is a this is maybe not what I would have thought of as the number one prerequisite for an active lifestyle. But cost of bowling was one of the things, and that one got hit pretty hard here in Denver. Uh, I think there were a couple other things that helped drive it down as well. The number of little leagues per capita, number of pickup soccer meetups per capita, public golf courses per capita. That that one really surprises me because we have a lot of golf courses. Yeah, well, but um, I think the places that are sunnier probably your Phoenixes and so Florida forth. and yeah. things like that. Uh, but it is $6.12 per game for, for bowling, it, which is pretty significant. It is significant. Um, I have to say I have experienced this myself. It is very expensive to go bowling in, in Denver. 
there is another element to this survey, which is around the cities with the lowest percentage of physically inactive residents. I think you could also say the percentage of most re- uh, active residents. We prefer double negatives. Yeah. Uh, and Colorado Springs was number three on that list. Uh, Denver and Aurora were tied for four. So um, really the, the three big cities in Colorado made the top four list. Uh, if you're interested, number one and number two were Seattle and Portland, actually Portland and Seattle. Uh, next in 2018, there was $1.6 billion of venture capital that was lent out, which breaks a record for Colorado. Uh, it's pretty awesome. And, and in Q4, Denver saw two, uh, $207 million in VC funding and Boulder saw uh, 136. So those numbers were up from 187 and uh, 67. 67 relatively. So respectively. Yeah. I mean, so a little, little tick up in Denver, but nearly doubled in Boulder. That's pretty crazy. Yeah. And then they went through the list of the top deals from 2018. And a couple of those were security companies. Yeah, so uh, CyberGRX in the fourth quarter raised $30 million and ProtectWise raised $15 million. So I think we've talked about both of those when they when they happened. But uh, again, good news to see more and more venture capital happening here in the Denver, Colorado uh, area. And it's good to see that those, those deals were actually among the biggest in the state. Uh, they weren't just big for security. Um, next, you know, we talked, I think we talked on the podcast that Suma left as the CIO for the state of Colorado. Um, she left a little bit ago, and she's now been replaced. You know, with a new governor coming in, he has named a new CIO to to be you know the the head of his technology group, um, and her name is uh, I'm not sure if I can say her last name, Teresa Sure uh, Cizurik maybe. I think that's a pretty good Cizurik, a pretty good guess at that. Um, and she's leaving Radish Systems, which is actually a fairly good sized tech company here in town that I didn't know. I. I came across this as a part of the press release, um, but she's going to be going over there and, and hopefully, you know, she'll be Debbie Blyce, new boss. And hopefully that's a, a really good thing for both of them. Yeah. Glad to have someone in that role now for CIO for state of Colorado and uh, get that moving under the new administration. Uh, next. Um, we, so this is know, not news just well, to be fair, but it's I, I interesting. Guess, okay. It, it was, it was a news article. So yeah. I guess that, that counts as news. Um, the, the course of human history could have been altered um, yeah. If only CU Boulder was a little bit more forgiving in the amount of uh, computing time that they would give people. So uh, Steve Wozniak, uh, who was the co-founder of Apple Computer, originally enrolled and was taking classes at CU Boulder in computer science. And uh, apparently he ran into a little bit of trouble there um, back then. Uh, for those of you that were not around in, in those times, you actually had to pay for computing time. And he apparently... I don't know, was a little overzealous in the amount of computing time that he used and, and racked up what could have been quite a bill, around $50,000 worth of computing time, um, which then drove him uh, to drop out of CU and, and go back to California. Yeah, his professor thought said that Waz was out to get him uh, and and suggested that he was going to make Waz pay that $50,000 bill. That's $50,000 in, in today's dollars. He was going to make Waz pay that bill. Of course, he did not have the money to do it. So rather than come back and deal with the the looming threat of this uh, computer fee, uh, he just didn't come back to CU and yep. instead went out to California and... Uh, I went to, he went to Berkeley, right? Yep. Uh, and ended up, you know, meeting this high school kid at the time, Steve Jobs, and, and ended up, you know, the rest is history. Uh, so th- this is an interesting story. I, I'm not sure why this came up right now, but um, Waz has actually been out to to speak at CU. He's had two of his kids went to CU, so he's he does not have uh, 
uh, ill will towards the institution at this point. I think it said he has a scholarship there as well. Yeah, pretty cool stuff. Yep. Uh, so you know, it could he did get his degree from CU eventually. It was one of those emeritus, right? Right. Yeah. He didn't. He didn't actually have to earn you, it. But you show up and give a speech, and they're like, right. "Here you go. Here's a degree. Yeah, here's your degree. Yeah. Uh, maybe one day, one day I'll get one of those too. Hey, here's an extra degree. Um, but uh, you know, it could have been that you know, while Boulder is a great startup community now, it could have been if he would have stayed. You know, Apple Computer could have been founded there, and uh, would have been yeah. a lot different. Yeah, very different. Anyway, uh, next story. There is a merger um, for one of our local companies. So Hostway, which is a uh, not a Colorado company, is merging with with Hosting.com. We all see Hosting.com right there on I-25 uh, in one of the old Gates buildings there. Um, they're, they're merging. There's not a lot of details yet on what this is going to look like. A couple of facts. Number one, they haven't said what the the joint go-to-market name is going to be. I think it's going to be Hostingway. <laughs> Hostingway, I like that. Um, but it's uh, but they did say that the CEO from Hostway is going to be the CEO of the new organization. Uh, so what you know does that mean? There's going to be a, t- a couple of headquarters, one headquarters somewhere else. We we don't know the answers to those yep. things yet. Yeah, but it sounds like they do similar types of things. Um, so good synergy between the two companies. Uh, it also said that they're going to be running as separate brands for a little while until they figure out exactly what that go forward is going to look like. Uh, next, there was a Red Canary blog this week. Uh, entitled Detecting All of the Things with Limited Data. How's that possible? Uh, That is a good question, Rob. Uh, If you read the blog, they're talking about um, some basically some blind spots or difficult things to detect uh, through EDR and other products like that. Uh, Basically, known vulnerabilities, known attacks that the the current set of tools you might have have a difficult time of detecting. So it's a good thing to know those things so that you can potentially look out for them. Uh, there's not a whole lot of detail in there about uh, how it is that you can better detect them outside of EDR. Um, but, you know, you can always go talk to Red Canary, and I'm sure that they can help you out with that. All right. Uh, next, we have a blog post from Ping Identity this week. It's actually a guest blog post from a Google engineer um, talking about JOT security. Um, so, you know, neither of us are, are necessarily the experts on Jot security. Uh, and I will tell you what, this is an expert level blog post. For those of you who are looking to actually do this, this is a really good resource. Uh, so in the in the blog post, they go into a number, number of um, different things you might want to consider when you're doing security for your Jots. They look at uh, symmetric Jot signatures, asymmetric Jot signatures, Jot validation beyond signatures, cryptographic key management using Jots in practice. Uh, and then they also very interestingly provide a cheat sheet on Jot security to help keep track of this stuff. So if you are going to be doing it or you have a team that's going to be doing Jot security, it's a good resource. So Rob, I have a very important question for you. What's a Jot? Uh, JSON web token. Oh, hey. And it, it's basically uh, just a, a token that's being used for uh, for access validation within an See, application. Y- yeah. you, you could have written this blog, Rob. Oh man, no, I couldn't. <laughs> uh, it is very detailed, so I'd uh, suggest taking a look at it if that is your area of interest. Uh, next, we had a blog po- post from Dark Owl. I don't know if we've ever had a Dark Owl blog post or news item on the, f- the show before, but um, Dark Owl is a, a threat intelligence company, I guess you, we would call them. They think of a reboot from uh, from Owl, right? One World Labs, yeah. where it, they're using the intellectual property that Owl had created. I think Owl went bankrupt or somehow restructured yep. and, and became Dark Owl. Uh, but so they do things like mine data on the dark web and other things like that to provide you threat intelligence. So this was uh, basically a look at the Kickass Forum, which is an underground forum. And is, that, is that your favorite underground it, forum? It kicks ass. And 
the potential takedown by law enforcement of the forum. So uh, there's a, a lot of detail in there about what they were looking at to determine what was going on with the forum, um, other things like that. Uh, again, this is if you're into threat intelligence, if you're into uh, looking at dark web research, this is probably an interesting blog for you. Yeah, and it's cool to know that there is a local company doing that kind of work um, and, and you know publishing what they find. So that's fun. Um, next, we've had a lot of predictions articles already, and in fact, like I, I think I, we didn't put a couple in this week that yeah. got posted. Um, there was one from Ping, and I think there was one from ProtectWise or so, somebody else. Are you scared? You don't, you don't want to um, put your predictions out there, well, Rob? <laughs> I, I feel like there are a lot of predictions articles out there. So, you know, well, we did pick one more because this this one is actually not from a company; it's from a local security guy, right? Uh, Dale Drew posted his uh, his own uh, security predictions out on LinkedIn. So I feel like we should definitely hold Dale accountable for for whether he gets on these predictions. I, I think he needs to like put some money down on the table. Yeah. Hey, I, I'm putting my own personal reputation and financial wealth behind this. Yeah, I think that's only fair. Uh, so just you now going through the topics, I'm not going to go through all the details because he actually did quite a few. Um, privacy regulations will be a significant distraction to the actual security in 2019. Uh, I would say... I would agree with that in the sense that there will be a lot of focus on privacy regulations in 2019. Yeah. Uh, next, uh, zero trust environments will continue to grow. Well, that's not much of a, that's not going out on a limb there, right? Uh, you that's that's going to happen, but it's, it's awfully hard to measure. And, uh, and I do think it's going to keep growing though as well. Uh, it says turn the, the dial to 11. And really what he's saying here is the attacks are just going to continue to increase that uh, what we saw in 2018, more and more of those things this year. Cyber criminals will continue to use big data analytics to target you and corporations. Nation states will increase their investment in cybercrime. Uh, the rollout of 5G will make it compelling for the first mobile DDoS network. Not something I had thought of. This is kind of the first one that popped up here that I'm like, oh, that's, a, that's an interesting, interesting perspective. And yeah, why is my phone slow? <laughs> oh, yeah, you're, you're DDoSing Amazon. Yeah, maybe I shouldn't have installed that app, right? Um, Attacks on cloud providers will grow. Uh, authentication and authorization will be tied to your phone more in 2019. Like, I think that's absolutely true. Um, yeah. the, the more and more we can use you know, all these different data we get about people, the, the better authentication is going to be. Um, supply chain security will become your new core competency. And finally, we will reach critical mass of cybersecurity solutions requiring a more ecosystem approach to security. Sounds like what we've been saying every year for the last decade. Yeah, I, I think, uh, I, I don't know if it will reach critical mass. I think more likely there will be a, a market correction and the, the market will contract as opposed to us realizing that there's too many solutions. Yeah. I, I don't know if that will happen in 2019, but I think that's more likely to be uh, what would happen. Anyway. Yeah, that sounds lame. I don't want that to happen. <laughs> I don't want it to happen either. Uh, next, there is a Webroot blog the must-have tech accessories for students. So the first thing I saw, I, I thought when I saw this headline was, why would I care about this? And then you, when you actually look at the blog post, the must the must-have tech accessories is like security skills. So they go through they go through what are the what are the security skills that you really need as you're going off to school, uh, and and really if you have a student, uh, I think sharing these these there's some basics in here, and there's a little bit more advanced stuff that you can share to help people be secure. Yeah. Um, awareness for one thing, just, you know, general awareness of security practices, two factor authentication. I think, we, yeah, that's very, very important. Um, multiple passwords. I, I think that not could, sharing your could password. be read as better password practices. Yeah. And then they have the, the kind of, those are the basics. And then they have the deeper dive. Uh, they go into antivirus software, password managers, message encryption, and virtual private networks. Um, 
you know, teaching your students about these things will help keep them secure and probably keep yourself secure as well. Cool. So that is the news. Let's move over to the Slack message of the week. Again, big thanks to Andre Gata for sponsoring the Slack message of the week. Not only uh, this, but you'll hear more from him again, as we mentioned in our, our interview coming up. He interviews us for the, the 100th episode, but uh, we, he sponsors this, provides it out of his own pocket, uh, gets a, an award to someone on the Slack channel who provides some good content that week. Yeah, and it's been doing it for over a year, uh, every week for over a year. So, Andre, we really do appreciate that very much. Uh, recognizing this this week's a winner, Douglas Brush. Douglas uh, received one of those text scams that pretends to be from the CEO saying that they, uh, you know, Hey, I need gift cards. Go buy some gift cards for me and send me a, a picture of them, you know, scratch, scratch off the thing on the back and send me a picture of them. Uh, what was amazing about this? Number one is he, you know, he, he tried to scam the scammer, keep him engaged and have fun. I ended up using Douglas's, uh, scam text message as a, a security awareness email to my whole company because it made me laugh and I thought I could make some other people laugh as, as they enjoyed it as well and got some awareness about these attacks that are going on in the wild. Congrats, Douglas, Douglas and uh, we'll get you connected with Andre to get your prize. All right. So, so as a reminder, we have a event calendar on the website. 2019 is absolutely getting started with a, with a flurry. Uh, there's a lot of things going on throughout the entire year right now. Uh, we have a lot of stuff in January and you'll see as we go through the next two weeks events, uh, there's a lot going on. First on the list, uh, CSA is having their January chapter meeting on the 15th. On the 16th, CitySec is doing their January meeting. I, I think that's at the Wine Coop. Um, I think they have that scheduled. Uh, they did post a note in the Slack channel, though, that the two normal leaders are unable to attend due to some conflicts and they're looking for someone to step up and, you know, just be that person who, who who hosts and welcomes people to the table. Um, so if you can do this, if you if you want to attend and and just be that person to help make this be successful, jump over to the Slack channel and let folks know so so they can uh, they can lean on you there. Yeah, I think it's a, a pretty low overhead responsibility. Just making sure that if someone is wandering around looking for the group of security people, you wave them down and say, "Hey, come over here." Yeah, pretty good. Uh, next, uh, the National Cybersecurity Center is doing a meet and greet on the sixteenth. Uh, also on the 16th, SecureSet is doing one of their Capture the Flags. On the 17th, ISC Squared Denver is doing their January chapter meeting. Same day, on the 17th, the CTA, the Colorado Technology Association, is doing one of their Insight series, Keeping Up with Innovation, the 2019 Top Emerging Technologies to Watch. That's I'm sure fun. blockchain and AI made it on there somewhere. Uh, only AI blockchain, not the regular blockchain. Uh, next, also on the 17th, ISACA Denver is doing their January chapter meeting. On the 23rd, uh, the ISC squared chapter down in Colorado Springs, the Pikes Peak chapter is doing their January chapter meeting. On the 24th, SecureSet is doing an information night at Swim Lane. Kind of fun that they're doing a meeting there. That is cool. Uh, also on the 24th, there is a Splunk meetup, Boss of the Sock competition. And finally, on the 25th, the CTA is doing a, a meeting office hours with Davis, Graham, and Stubbs and the Foundry Group. So uh, Davis, Graham, and Stubbs is a law firm, and they're going to be doing monthly meetings either downtown Denver at the Davis, Stubbs, whatever it is, uh, law, for, law office, or in Boulder at the Foundry Group office. And it's a chance for entrepreneurs or potential entrepreneurs to come ask legal questions and, and understand, you know, what, what are my legal exposures? And since it's going to be, you know, partially with Foundry Group as well, you know, there's probably some really good access to, to smart entrepreneurs who know how to do this stuff. Yeah, that sounds like a really great opportunity if you're uh, thinking about a startup or, or some other kind of entrepreneur. Yeah. Let's move on to jobs. 
Uh, we have a couple jobs this week from Ping Identity. Yeah. So number one, uh, we've talked about it a couple weeks in the past, but uh, at Ping, I am hiring a manager of security operations and engineering. If you're interested in that, we'd, I'd love to have you reach out and, and talk to me. This works directly with me. So I, I'd, I'd love to get to know you. Uh, number two, we are hiring a GRC analyst. This is someone, it's a more entry-level role, someone to help support our uh, compliance efforts around SOC 2 and ISO, also help with vendor risk management, business continuity, incident response, kind of all the, the typical business continuity, or excuse me, uh, GRC internal focus stuff. Uh, next, Charles Schwab is looking for a managing director of cyber resiliency. Western Union is hiring a director of application security and risk. Cable Labs is looking for a VP of security technologies. Red Canary is hiring a director of intelligence. Elastic is looking for a senior security analytics and detection lead. There are actually, I don't know, five or six jobs at Elastic that were Yeah, open. there's a bunch. Um, Adams 12 is five-star schools is hiring a cybersecurity engineer. PDC Energy is looking for a security GRC specialist. And finally, GuidePoint Security is hiring a systems administrator. Sweet. Uh, I think that's it for, for the news this week. I think it is. We're all newsed up. Um, now you're gonna hear uh, you're gonna hear a sound effect shortly of a uh, of a cork popping. It's not a sound effect. It's real. It real. It actually happened. Yeah. Good stuff. All right. Well, that's it. Uh, we'll look forward to talking to you again next week. Hopefully, you enjoy the interview. All right. On to the next hundred episodes. Thanks, Rob. This is David McGuire, uh, Director of IT Security at QEP Resources. This is Colorado Equal Security. For Colorado security professionals, by Colorado security professionals. Happy 100th. Well, guys, happy new year. Happy new year. Happy, happy new year. Happy new year to everybody. Cheers. Cheers, cheers. Cheers. And also, happy 100th episode. Thank, Thank you. That, that pop... The popping of the cork did not sound as uh, poppy as we expected, maybe. No, no, it, it did not. But for, for the listeners out there, uh, we are raising a glass of champagne to celebrate the 100th podcast. Um, that being said, I think I want to start by just saying thank you guys uh, on behalf of the entire Colorado Equal Security community. Um, what you guys have built is very unique, and um, there's really nothing else like it. And I think we all have to take a giant step back and, and think about the efforts that go into making this possible. Um I think everyone knows, but this is not the only thing that you guys do, right? You have demanding jobs. You both yeah. travel. <laughs> you, have, you have families with young children and after-school yeah. programs, and you spend weekends on the football fields and soccer fields and after-school programs. Uh, and it's important to note, too, that you know this has all been funded mostly out of your pockets, right? The mics, the stands, the cables, the software, the gear, the domain, the hosting. Um, so for the community that benefits, uh, I think a, a collective thank you to you guys for building this and keeping it going is uh, – is due. So, you know, cheers well, to you guys. At least we didn't have to fund the champagne. Thanks for that, Andre. <laughs> yeah. Andre, we, you know, one of the reasons that we asked you to do this interview is, is because you've been such a supporter from the beginning of the show. And we, we've yeah, appreciated sure. that the whole way through, uh, obviously as a, as a patron of the show, but also, you know, doing for a while, it was the trivia question of the week. And then um, doing Slack message of the week recently, we, we really appreciate your help to, to drive uh, this this movement forward. So thanks a lot for what yeah, you've done. Yeah, I, I think that the support you as you have given us really has helped with the engagement and, and getting people involved. So 
cheers to you as well. Oh, thank you very much. Cheers it's been you. my pleasure. and It's been a ton of fun. So, so that being said, um, I get to be the boss today. And I'm not the boss very often, but I get to be the boss today. So I get to, to ask whatever I want. And um, I, I'm going to start with, like, I think for the, the listeners out there, let's get to know you guys, you know, personally. I think one of the things about this show that's enjoyable f- for me and for the others that I've spoken to about you guys is some of the banter. Um, but you guys have known each other for a little while, so I think it'd be interesting, right, for you guys to share a little bit about how you guys met. Like, how, how did we get here? Um, and, and give us a little bit of background. Uh, I'm trying to remember exactly when it is that we first met. I, but... I remember the first time I met you in person is I was like, a, wow, I leave an impression. Yeah, uh, I was I was a guest. I, I think I was a member, but I, it was my first time coming to an ISSA meeting in quite a while. And you you were the president of ISSA at the time and or you were about to become president. I think you went around to all of the people at all of the tables and said hello and shook hands. And I was one of those people. So you walk up to me and, and introduced yourself and, and said hello there, uh, which is funny because that was something that I really made a point of doing when I was president. Um, I think ISSA was was really sort of the common thread between us, definitely at the beginning. And uh, you know, I I was ISSA president. the The chapter was floundering a bit, and I, I had to do all the stuff that I could do to to try and build that up. And one of those things was to try and you know make nice with people. So if you showed up to a meeting, I was going to come over and say hi and and uh, you know shake hands, kiss babies, all that kind of stuff. Try and get people to come back. So, so he, he was really at the time. I I am something of an introvert by nature, and and his, Alex is uh, coming around and saying hello, and you know, kind of just you know, being willing to step out there and do that made an impression on me. And shortly thereafter, I sent an email to the, to the website. And, and I think it was well, Paul was still president because the email actually went to Paul. Paul Herpker was the president before Alex. And I said, hey, I'd like to volunteer. And what I was thinking was I was going to get something like, hey, um, why don't you come, you know, like stuff envelopes or, you know, sit at a table somewhere. And what and the reply I got back was, here's the three board positions that are open. Which of these three do you want? <laughs> a little different than stuffing all. envelopes. <laughs> it, you know, it, it's funny the it was a similar thing that happened to me too. Starting at ISSA, I went to a meeting and uh, you know I I thought oh this is this is great and Paul asked Paul was president then as well and asked for volunteers. I said oh this is great and I, I also sent an email and said hey can I, can I help with something and he said oh hey we're we're doing this conference and th- there's no one volunteered yet. To help with uh, with organizing the Rocky Mountain Information Security Conference, you're in charge. So, guy, I don't know. Here's the yeah. biggest conference in, in Colorado for right. you to go run. Exactly. <laughs> uh, so, so r- roughly, what year is this? Like circa? I think it was probably uh, me and you was 2010 or 2011. I, yeah. I'm not sure which one. Yeah, it was. I think 2008 ish for me when I got involved with with the chapter. So what were some of the driving reasons that you got involved with ISSA? Clearly, you've been in information security for a while, but why ISSA? Yeah, so I worked at IBM for a long time, and IBM is a very big company. There are a lot of security people internal, so I had lots of security contacts at IBM. Uh, but I, at some point, I realized, hey, I, I don't know anything outside of, of IBM. That was my first job was with IBM. Um, and so I thought, hey, you know, I should probably know some people that are in the community, there was actually someone that I had worked with that was on the board of ISSA. He had left IBM at that time, um, and he said, "Hey, you should come down and uh, and you know check the meetings out." And, and actually, it was a meeting where uh, where Chris Triolo was was speaking, um, someone who Andre and I both know. And so I went down and I thought, "Oh, this is interesting. There's some people here. Maybe maybe I'll get involved and you know go to a few meetings." And and that's kind of how I got involved. But just try and 
and learn what the community was and, and to get involved outside of the, the company that I was at. Yeah. So, so Rob, let me ask you a question. Yeah. How did you get involved in information security? Like, like did, did you go to school for it? Did, did you just wake up one day and say, I want to go do this? Or were you voluntold like so many people like, hey, go, go do this thing? Yeah. So I, was, I had an IT career for uh, a decade or so, starting in 98. Um, I was doing IT through probably in the 2000 time frame, I, I really got involved with some some systems that had a real security bent to them and I started to have to understand security better so I I installed the the wireless network for a, a enterprise um, I did SSL VPNs and I did Blackberry enterprise server if you guys know that stuff and I, I had to learn security through that so I, I kind of picked up the new tools that were security focused because there was already an exchange guy there was already a SQL server guy and I, and I could be the, the guy of the new tools um, but then in 2008, call it 2008-ish time frame, I really was at, at a point where I did not want to be the guy um, responsible for patching the systems and logging in to, to reboot servers in the middle of the night. And I, and I had this you know career decision to make, and I want to go in a different path. Uh, and the paths that I was looking at were project management or security. And honestly, it was almost as much a coin flip as anything else that, you know, as I looked at those two paths, what career opportunities were in front of me, where were the, where were their good jobs? And I saw better opportunities with security and I went and got my CISSP. After I got my CISSP, I did some Google searching, like, well, what's the, what is the networking? What does the community look like for security? And that's where I found ISSA was that I found ISSA and ISACA at the same time. And I, I tried out both groups. Um, I went to a couple of meetings of both. ISSA was much smaller in Denver at the time um, and had a, it was a little easier to get connected and, and really focus on security more than ISACA's audit community. And also not nearly as boring as all those auditors. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't going to say that, but, but that might've been going through my head as well. So, so um, you know, we, we've, we've reached the hundred episode mark. And um, for those that, that watch a lot of TV, that's a significant milestone in TV. Uh, in TV, if you make a hundred episodes, right, then it's usually about five years, and you get syndicated, and it becomes Ooh, a it, it becomes that like a, money. Are we going to get syndicated, Rob? It becomes a commercially successful enterprise. Clearly, drop some news on us that you sold our syndication rights. <laughs> <laughs> so, so there's been some commercial success here for you guys, um, depending on the measure. Um, but, but that being said, what was the genesis for starting Colorado Equals Security? Okay. Uh, so, you know, I think it really does go back to both Alex and I's experience in ISSA. Um, I would tell you be before I got really involved in ISSA and, and just as some background, Alex was president for what, four years, four years, and I, I was the president directly after Alex. So we had six years between us of, of running the chapter. And, and I, what I, I, before I started in ISSA, I would have said to you, you know, maybe there's, I don't know. Uh, maybe there's a thousand security people in Denver and maybe there's 50 CISOs across the, across the network. And, and, you know, I can find all of them. I, I, my, my very naive understanding of the community. And as I got into ISSA and I started meeting people and we did Rocky Mountain Information Security Conference and we did, um, you know, just other engagements with other groups, I started to, you know, continually every month be surprised by either this new group of people who were doing security conversations in town or this new company that sold security solutions or this new event that got together. And, and I, I kept saying, well, how could I possibly have known about this, right? How could I have known that there was a group of people in Boulder doing, uh, doing, you know, meetups to get together and talk about security or, or the 303, you know, um, the hacker type guys that we have in town. Um, that, that whole, 
issue that we, we're a part of ISSA, we're part of this chapter, which by the way, we, we love ISSA and the ISSA Denver chapter is amazing. 800-ish members at this point, biggest chapter in the world. We love what ISSA is doing, but the security community in Denver is so much bigger than that. It's, you know, what did we come up with? Like 18,000? Yeah, I think that was the last number that we saw was 18,000 people. And and we started to realize that what we were doing with ISSA is never going to touch, you know, a significant percentage of that 18,000 people. And then that's fine, right? Um, ISSA is focused on a a certain group of people. And there there are other groups that are doing different things that are great for the groups that they're attracting. But we needed... You know, there's a, a market for somebody to come in it and sort of put an umbrella over all of those things, over the whole community to talk about, you know, everything that was going on, not just groups, yeah. but uh, startups, you know, all the people that are involved. There's lots more just beyond uh, the the surface there. So if, if you were coming into Colorado, if you moved to Colorado, which we want lots of people with security backgrounds to do, we, we want to bring in the, the, the top talent of security folks in the world. Um, if you're moving to Colorado and you want to get involved in the security community, well, how do you do it? Maybe you've heard of ISSA and you look them up, but what if ISSA is not it for you? But if that's too, you know, shirt and tie for, for those folks, um, maybe they don't know that there is an OWASP chapter here. Maybe they don't know that CSA exists or the DENSEC. There's no DENSEC, you know, national or international charter. So we decided what we wanted to create was a central place not to go create more meetings, create more ways to get together, but to really share and, and, uh, amplify the message, the the signal for the other groups that are already doing interesting things in Colorado. And that became both Alex and I's mission for, let's finish our ISSA terms. He was on the international board at the time and I was doing the, the Denver chapter. So let's finish that up and then let's really focus on more broadly letting the Colorado security community really talk about what we do here. It's It's been impressive uh, to see the results and the community change and the participation continuing to increase both in the Slack channel uh, as well as members, right, of Colorado Legal Security. Um, you know, again, a testament to your guys and your passion and, and what you're investing personally, right, to, to bring the community together. Uh, as mentioned before, it's it's not like anything I've seen anywhere else. I want to do a real quick thank you to Travis Shack. Travis is the CISO <laughs> or Director of Security over at WellTalk. Yeah. Um, he's the one who came up with the Slack channel idea. And, and both Alex and I are like, yeah, it's a great idea, but we don't have the cycles to go do this. And, you know, he spent, what, 10 minutes right. standing up a Slack channel, which may very well be the best thing that we do right now as, I, as a group. Yeah, I would agree. The Slack channel is awesome. If you're not on there, you should be there. We'd been thinking, you know, for a while, we need to have some way for people to, to converse. And I think Slack might have come up as an idea. But in my mind, it was like, oh, this is going to be, you know, a lot of overhead. There's going to learn whole, a new thing. Learn a new thing. There's going to be a whole <laughs> bunch of administrative work with it. Um, I'm thinking about, you know, like chat rooms. We're going to have to be moderating people and oh, I don't want anything to do with that. And then one day Travis is like, hey, we should have a Slack channel. I'll create one. And then it was like, oh, okay. And and it's just grown from there. It's been awesome. Over 800 people in there Over now. 800 people in there. Yeah. It, it's great. So so I've met people outside of the Denver community on Colorado Equal Security. Uh, yeah. As you guys know, I travel quite a bit and I work you know East Coast to West Coast. And I've met people, Houston, Chicago, other places. Yeah. What do you know today is like the most distant member of the Colorado Equal Security chapter? I know for sure of a CTO who listens to us in Houston that... I recently talked to him about it. Do you, what do you know, Alex? Yeah, I don't know about uh, about distant, but I have heard you know random things from people like, oh, you know, people who are, are you know trying to sell me something or you know things like that. It's like, oh, hey, yeah, I was in you know such and such place, and they said, oh, yeah, you're from Colorado. I know Colorado equals security, and it's like, really? 
the, yeah. the person out there listens to the podcast, that that's crazy. I, we could probably go into the uh, stats, uh, the yeah. stats, and figure out where people are downloading. I think from, those are but... mostly Russian bots, though. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> you know, the Russians are monitoring everything. So North Carolina, I know there's some listeners from North Carolina. Shout out to you guys there. That's um, awesome. But but I, I'm I'm actually not sure of any international listeners. So if you're an international listener, let us know. Yeah, we, we want, want to know that, that right now. That'd be fun. <laughs> So, so I, I want to dig in more on you guys, uh, on you guys personally, and we'll pivot back to the the podcast. But you know, again, hundred episodes is is a pretty big milestone. You guys have spent a lot of time together, both in studio, out of your studio, at events. Um, so I, I want to start with you, Rob. What is Alex's most annoying habit? Oh man, annoying <laughs> habit. Alex is amazing. Uh, I, I I I don't think I'm going to give you what you want to hear here, Andre. Um, what what Alex and I are able to do is is really uh, trust. I think trust one another that that when someone's going to do something, it's going to get done. And and this is not in either of our full time jobs, as you mentioned earlier. So it's a it's a it's a challenge to to figure out what's the right level of expectations, but always knowing if something said is going to get done. And uh, Alex and I have very different skill sets and his ability to go after. Um, you know, solving the problems that, you know, maybe frustrate me and I don't feel like doing, uh, and, and maybe I'll be the one who's willing to go, you know, run down that person or whatever, you know, we just kind of tag team on stuff like that. Uh, in terms of an annoyance, uh, what, what, what do you do that's annoying for me? Uh, I want to give him something. I was looking for some good banter here. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, I figured you, know, you had one loaded. He's, he's ugly. I, I give him that. <laughs> So if you heard the podcast last week, you know, you could hear my kids make fun of me because I'm bald. Um, uh, so, you know, there's he, that. He makes, me, he makes me look good. That's the thing is Alex took my job at Pulte and, you know, he comes in behind me and they're like, well, yeah, Rob really was a good CISO. The, the longer ooh, Alex is there. Ooh. The, the, the... Man, man. Shots fired. Um, at, I'm hoping that next this is, this is going to come to me, so I get, I get to do the, the other yeah, side. So, of it. so the next the um, next question yeah. is: So, Alex, what's Rob's most annoying habit? It, you know, <laughs> I, I will echo the, the same thing that that Rob said. I, I think we do work really well together. You know, before we started the Colorado Equal Security thing, uh, we we sort of dipped our toe in the water of, of trying to see if it would make sense for us to to start a consulting company, and I, you know, I think. Through that, we, we kind of learned each other's strengths and weaknesses. Uh, we also learned that it's a lot of work to do that stuff. And, <laughs> and, and it's a lot more fun to work at an actual company and, and not have to worry about having money come in the door and things like that. Um, but, uh, you know, I think I'm probably a, a more conservative person. I will, uh, you know, wait a little bit longer to, to do something, think about it a little bit more. And Rob just jumps right in. And it's like, all right, uh, oh, should we do this thing? Uh, I don't know, maybe I'll, and then Rob's like, okay, we're doing this thing. I'm going to start doing it right now. Let's go. Um, I've already started. I, yeah. Hey, this, I did three things on this, the 10 steps that we're going to do. Here's the three things that you need to do. Um, so I sent, Alex a, I sent Alex a note a, a week ago saying, hey, what if we turn our December CISO get together into a really massive event? And he's like, whoa, what are we trying to accomplish? Uh, yeah. You know, How do we measure success for this? And I'm like, oh, this is too much work. Let's talk about it later. <laughs> I just wanted to get together, have fun. Now it sounds like work. <laughs> yeah. So I, I, you know, it, it's happened sort of organically, but I think Rob and I complement each other really well. Uh, you know, we get along, um, you know, we, we can give each other crap and, and not take it personally. Yeah. Uh, we can spend a lot of time with each other and not annoy each other too much. So, so it, it's been good. That, that, that's awesome. So, so again, in the interest of getting to know you guys personally, uh, I'll start with you, Alex, this time. Uh, what, what is the most, uh, ridiculous thing that someone's tricked you into doing or believing, 
Oh, and you I, know, I fall for phishing emails all the time. <laughs> you know, um, I've sent millions really of dollars he to really Nigeria. Uh, the most ridiculous thing someone has tricked me into. Um, well, you know, you know, usually if someone, you know, dares me to do something or asks me to do it, I, they don't necessarily have to trick me into do it. I'm, I'm usually pretty game for that kind of stuff. Okay. Um, so uh, I you ever made any really bad decisions, financial decisions or personal decisions that you want to share with the audience? Yeah. Well, you know, I'm, I'm broke. I've given away all my, no, um, <laughs> you know, I, I can't think of anything great, but if someone is, is well, right here, Colorado equals security thing. So, uh, when we started the Slack channel and, and Andre, you were giving away things every week from, uh, from our store, um, the trivia, the, the, the trivia, the yeah. trivia stuff, you know, someone said, Oh, Hey, uh, we on our store we we have a Colorado Equal Security thong. So if you want to buy a thong, you can. It's there. Um, and so someone said, "Hey, I'm going to buy this thong and I'm going to send it to Alex and he can wear it." And I'm like, "Okay, whatever. Send it to me and and I'll wear it." And then it's some that person won and and they got the thong and it, it never ended up with me until the Rocky Mountain Information Security Conference. Um, I, I believe it was last year. And uh, and I for full disclosure, I did not wear it. Um, <laughs> But we do have some pictures of me holding the thong, the Colorado security thong. So, you know, th- that, that kind of goes along with, with your question, I think. Is that unfinished business then? The actual wearing well, I mean, of the I garments? I am wearing it right now. Besides that, I've never worn it. Well, it's it a celebratory like event, one. so I expect you to be wearing it. There's one more thing he needs to do, it sounds like then, right? Yeah. yeah. Unfinished business. Yeah. Unfinished business. Rob, anything from, from you? Yeah, that- I, I do. I my I remember my, my dad telling me, my dad was has always been like my role model for finances and how to handle... Um, a, a family's really money, right? And I remember him telling me either before I was born or when I was very young about them like hearing about a really amazing investment opportunity from somebody trusted from work and he gave this guy some money and you know never got anything back and that kind of that was his way of learning uh, a tough financial lesson. And I always wondered like what was my way of learning a financial le- lesson going to be and and I haven't had a terrible one, but I did have one where I had one of those high pressure ADT salespeople come to my, my, then it was a townhouse that I had just bought and like, you know, taught, you know, fear mongering. I was just, I just got married and like talking about this and, and I'm like, yeah, sign me up. And, and the numbers of what I paid per month was you know, astronomical, right? Like you're paying an installation fees, but it, it's half off because you signed right now, you know, all that. And, and I remember thinking at the end of that, like, I will never make this mistake again. The, the whole short time, uh, you know, limited availability for some kind of service like that. It just makes no sense. And, <laughs> and the fact that I, the fact that I bought into that, I, I, it's always made a difference for me. Every time I think about a decision in the future, I, I'd rather run the very limited risk of missing a limited opportunity than sign up for something that I'm going to regret for, for years thereafter. That's a good one. Yeah, no, absolutely. So, so another one, um, before I, I move back to Colorado Equals Security, uh, for the listeners, right, as they get to know you through the podcast, not everyone has the opportunity to spend time with you face-to-face. Um, Rob, what is the most useless talent you have? Oh, well, I, I, I'll, as we were coming in here, I showed you guys my son juggling. Yeah. Um, I'm a very good juggler. I, I used to be able to juggle five balls. I can very consistently juggle four. I could probably get five going if you gave me some room and some time to, to get back into it. It's been a while, but as my nine-year-old son is getting into juggling, um, I'm like, I, you know, I'm getting a little bit, a little bit better at it again. And, uh, but I'm, a, I'm pretty good, um, you know, from a normal person anyway. 
And that's probably the most useless skill I've got. Well, well, juggling things, right, for, for work, right? You're juggling more sure. than five things, sure. so maybe it is useful. But but as, as your son continues to improve, my question is, do you now begin looking at, like, you know, fiery sticks to juggle, to, like, keep one-upping him? Chainsaws. There you go. So, Bowling balls. So let's, uh, let's just get this out here, guys. Juggling fire, not impressive to a juggler, impressive <laughs> to everyone who's not a juggler. It's really easy. Like, it's just a little teeny bit of the stick is on fire. The rest of it you could catch safely. Juggling a machete, that's a much more impressive thing to juggle. I've got a scar to show you that I have juggled machetes. Um, wow. I've juggled hatchets in front of people before. Um, the, but w- really what I'm looking forward to with my son is when he gets good enough that we can start passing, you know, passing, juggling back and forth. Um, that's, that'll be a, a kind of a fun thing for me and me and him to do. That's awesome. Uh, we're not going to get into it now, but I, I am interested in how you got into tricked into juggling machetes. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't know how that happens. Right. Like it seems like a bad idea to start like, Hmm, it's a bad idea. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. No yeah. kids don't try this at home. Yeah. That's why you have four fingers on one hand. Yeah, exactly. Perfect. <laughs> Alex. Uh, yeah. So from my perspective, I, I don't consider it useless, but I think most people would probably consider it useless. I'm a really good bowler. Uh, that, that's what I did growing up. I spent a lot of time bowling. Um, not, not quite good enough to be a professional, um, but kind of on the, the edge of that. These days, it doesn't really um, do a whole lot for me other than uh, when I go bowling with people and I don't shoot 300, um, then there's lots of disappointment. <laughs> wow. How many 300s have you bowled? Eight. Eight. Yeah. yeah. So one nice thing about Alex's bowling um, skills is when we, you know, one of the reasons you, you start your own company, just so everyone knows, is so you can buy your own swag. That's so, right. And it's all tax deductible because it's it's marketing materials. Everyone so, should have their own LLC. So we have our, our LLC that we share. And when we, we decided, of course, we want to buy some swag for ourselves, we bought bowling shirts, which I think are pretty pretty stylish and, and awesome. And he was very excited to have. I was games. very excited. Should we add those to the Colorado equal security store? Is that an option? Uh, that we would can, be we can look cool. into it. We, we can look, look into look it for into sure. It. Yeah. It's a little bit limited based on the platform we use, which products you can pick, but I'd love to have some Colorado equal security bowling shirts. I think that'd be awesome. I'm all in count me in. Um, so interestingly, um, if you were not in information security today, what would you be doing? What did you want to be when you were a kid? So, um, you know, it's funny you asked that back on, on the bowling part. Yeah. So uh, I grew up, uh, my parents were both teachers. Education was very important. Um, I knew very early on I was going to college. Um, I grew up in a, in a small town that had a, a, an elite liberal arts college. And um, I thought, okay, well, I could go to someplace like this. But as I was in high school, I thought, oh, hey, you know, I would also love to go to college for bowling. It, it is a sport in college. Wow. And I, I thought, hey, I, I could go to some place. It's a major? It's, it's not a major. a major, but it's, you know, I could be on the bowling team. Is there like a D1, um, like like the it, U of bowling? It, it like, wasn't when I was uh, of that age, but it is today. So there are D1 bowling programs. You can get scholarships, all that kind of stuff. Anyway, uh, it's changed a little bit, but back in the day, Wichita State was, uh, was the center of bowling for college. So I thought, hey, you know, maybe I could go to Wichita State and uh, and do bowling there. Uh, I actually had some friends in high school that went to, uh, to some places to, to do bowling in college. Anyway, um, I that would have been the other thing that I would have done. Instead, I, I went to a small liberal arts college and, and, and got a degree and then, you know, went off into the workforce. So that, that's probably what I would have pursued if I hadn't done this. All right. All right. That, that, that sounds like it would have been a, maybe a little more fun. 
Uh, maybe. You what's, what's the what's the tenure like of bowling career? Like pro football players generally don't get into their mid thirties, yeah. yeah. and, and certainly like infrequently into their forties, right? Like, like, what's the lifespan of a pro it bowler? Can be, you know, it can be pretty long. As you know, bowling is not a um, high impact sport. It's not a high impact sport. You don't have to be hugely way, athletic. The way I do it is. Um, <laughs> So, uh, yes, there's a senior bowling tour. So, you know, you can go keep going on. Uh, could have been my career for a long time. All right. I'll ask the same question of you, Rob. Uh, so what would I be doing if I wasn't doing security? Yeah. Uh, obviously, we talked about the IT path, the project management path I, I considered. Um, but if we go back even further, I was a history major. So, so what did you want yeah. to do when you were a kid? Like, wow. I wanted to be a police officer when I was a kid. All right, Pretty, like, like most kids. Yeah, yeah. I wanted, I, I, and I really wanted to ride motorcycles. I want to be a, like a chips. You, you remember yeah, chips? The of course. TV show. I'm from California. Yeah. Uh, the the chips. You know, the highway patrol in California driving around on the motorcycles, stopping people. I wonder Punch. What Eric Eric Punch one of the characters? Yeah. Punch. Yeah. Now I've seen my fair share. I wonder what the percentage of kids growing up in California that are our age are that wanted to be a, yeah. a highway patrol yeah. person was. That's pretty awesome. Um, but if you you know fast forward from that, I was a history major in college. I, I had this vision of becoming a professor and, you know, being an expert on, uh, Western European history and, and being able to, to teach that. I think when I, when I realized that I'm a, a white male who wants to talk about white male history, that puts me in a very large group of candidates for jobs and really very competitive and something that I, that I decided not necessarily to go after. I'm really fortunate that security came along when it did. And it, it's been a, a really fun career, but when I look for, you know, to the future, I, you know, anytime I choose to end up leaving security um, or security decides it's done with me either way. Um, there's a lot of stuff that sounds interesting to me out there and, and really more about like broadening a skill set, becoming good at things that I'm just not as good at yet. Maybe it's um, sales or even something that's kind of random. Like maybe I'll become a locksmith so I can learn how to, how to get better at, you know, a, a real mechanical skill lock picking and helping people with that or become a mechanic or working on cars. I, I don't really know exactly, but something that's just very different from what I'm currently doing sounds like kind of an interesting way to, to go in the future. Yeah. Maybe new challenge, right? You know, new platform. It's interesting because you were interested in, in, you know, California higher patrol chips mm-hmm. uh, and that's law enforcement. And, and here you are in information security, which is right. Not that, yeah. that, not that, that. that's a different, right? There's a connection there somewhere. Yeah. Stopping bad guys, right? That's there right. you go. Stopping bad guys. Just not riding motorcycles. I did ride a motorcycle for quite a while. I had a motorcycle until my uh, my oldest son was about a year old. And then I realized I have not ridden my motorcycle in about a year. So we decided that that was a good time for me to stop, you know, wasting garage space for that motorcycle. And, and increase your safety yeah, as well, for sure. It's not very practical with a baby. Uh, no. Um, so I'm going to change gears uh, and shift back to some... Uh, stuff about the podcast and stuff about information security. Um, Alex, I'll start with you. As you think about what you do on a daily basis, what is the greatest thing about the position that you hold today for Pulte? You know, I I've, I really enjoy it because I get to do a little bit of everything. Uh, you know, we have a, a small enough team that I get to put my fingers in all kinds of different pots. Um I've worked for large companies where I've been very siloed and done a very specific thing all day long for months and and years. Uh, Having that breadth to look at all different facets of security, risk management, um, compliance, audit, all that kind of stuff, uh, that's the thing that's the most fun for me is uh, not being a one-man shop, but being small enough where I, I can be in a little bit of everything. 
Rob, I'll ask you the same question. Sure. Uh, I, I love, number one, I, I love the people I get to work with. So it's the people who work with the security team with me. And I, and I have some just amazing uh, people on the team. I, I, you know, There's about 25 people in security now. And all 25 of those people is significantly better at something than I am, right? And that's that's amazing to, to get to work with these people who are, who are just exceptionally good at, you know, uh, I have Ryan Ivis, who is the, the guy in charge. We are opening cans of beer now, everyone. Uh, it is, it is, uh, is it officially afternoon? It is afternoon, so this is the right time to, to start drinking. Um, getting to work with people like Ryan, who's an expert on uh, infrastructure security and cloud security and working with Steven Edmonds, who's the, the guy who, who does our privacy and GRC program and uh, Richard Cardona, who does my product security, the AppSec guy. Uh, but the, you know, those guys are just amazing at something and they're much better at that thing than I am. Right. And that's really cool. Really fun to get to learn from the people who are on my team. And then on the other side, I get to partner with the head of sales for, for all of paying or the head of product, the guys responsible for creating our, our, our identity products, uh, the finance, I, I report to the CFO getting to learn from him. How does he look at risk? How does he look at, you know, what, what the future of the company looks at? It's amazing to get to work with these people who are just, you know, exposing me to a level of skill at skill at things that and I've never seen in the past. So, so conversely then, right. Um, it's not always sunshine, rainbows, and unicorns uh, in the world that you live in. You can walk into the office on any given day, morning, afternoon, and, and it's, you know, chaotic. Mm-hmm. What's the most challenging thing about the position you hold today uh, at Ping Identity? The expectations are really high, right? I'm working with this very large group of, uh, you know, 800-ish employees who expect um, – excellence in everything we do. So, you know, we, we, we have the opportunity to fail, but man, you, you got to recover quickly. You got to, you got to move fast on everything we do. Um, and it's not always easy to move fast in this world of uncertainty. You know, security is a kind of a world of not knowing what's going on out there. It's a challenge to be able to move at the speed the business needs. Um, and of course, anytime you have any kind of security incident and, and things really refocus very heavily on, uh, you know, understanding the environment, what happened there, um, doing your due diligence on what does this security mean, this incident mean, your your response, your recovery, all that stuff is, is a big challenge as well. That's probably the worst day of the week, right, is if you have some kind of an incident going on. Alex? Yeah, I mean, from my perspective, I think we all know that it is very hard to keep up with everything that is going on. Mm-hmm. Um, the landscape is always changing, new vulnerabilities, new attacks, new technologies, whatever it might be, uh, lots of stuff that can keep you busy to try and stay on top of it. Uh, I think that's sort of the the fun part and the, the bad part about being in security is you have to know a little bit about everything. And it, it is always a challenge to, to make sure that you are on top of everything, uh, at least at the same point or before everybody else is. What's what's always funny to me is when I've, if I've been at a place for long enough to say that the decision I made to implement you know, that process, that technology, that, that, that vendor, that that decision now looks bad, right. To be, to be there long enough to see, um, Hey, I chose to, to implement a vendor X's, X's product and say, actually, you know what, that vendor is now stale. And, and that, you know, it it maybe wasn't bad when I did it, but right now looking at it, you know, I sure wish I had a different technology doing that space. Um, That's an interesting thing. And uh, it, it, it really, humbles you right to say hey what looks good right now it's going to change 
and, and you really need to be open to accepting that just because it was the right decision in you know January of 2016 when I went over to Ping doesn't mean it's the right decision in January of 2019. Yeah, and you know, having taken over Rob's job, I have to live with all of his bad decisions. <laughs> the, the most, all of them. The most annoying thing about Rob, having to live with all of his bad decisions. Exactly. <laughs> so um, let me let me ask you guys this question. What should the future of information security look like, right? It's, it's, it's an interesting time right now, you know, when I think about, you know, when you guys were getting started, when I was getting started, a lot of what we did was driven by compliance, right? And it was like, hey, there's money for PCI. So we get money for PCI and we would spend it as meaningfully as we could, but try to save some to then go invest in, in other areas. And, and compliance-driven security was a thing for a long time. Now, I'm not going to say the money is flowing freely because it's not, but it's certainly been a bigger part of the investment and the portfolio, and we have board-level visibility. Um, one would say, has the pendulum swung too far to the other side? And is there a point of coming back to the middle? So what do you think, Rob, the future of information security look like should look like. So before I answer that, can you answer for me how far into the future? Because I have I have a couple different answers based on how far out we go. Well, so so I mean, I was I was kicking around the notion, and I don't want to influence your answer. It's not fair for me to do. Um, but let's just say the next ten years, okay. right, right now, right, and then let's say the next thirty years, and, and I don't want to again feed your answer, let's, but let's both answer. 10 years first and then and then I have a different answer for 30 years. Yeah, cuz like should we tear down the internet literally not IPv6 but like rebuild the whole thing cuz sure. none of this stuff was built with security in mind. I mean so whether nothing. whether we should or not I'm not even going to address cuz whether whether we should or not is not is not is not for fair. What I'm going to say I'm, what I'm going to say is get well, as a security leader right now out there what they should be doing is and I know I said this when I moved to Ping, and I wholeheartedly believe it. Zero trust is the future of security. And if you don't know what zero trust is, you'll go look up Google's Beyond Corp or Zero Trust from Forrester. There's stuff out there on the internet. The basic concept is, you know, just because you're plugged into any given network doesn't mean you have access to anything. I don't want it to be that, hey, they're on the corporate network, so now they can get to our file servers, or now they can, you know, make unauthenticated queries to whatever database. Uh, it really needs to be that we say we don't trust anyone based on where they're coming from. We trust based on a factor of, you know, what, how, how confidently do we know that who the person is? So really strong authentication. Um, web access controls on this on the service that they're getting access to so whether that's a WAF or you know something you know web access management whatever it is um, you want to really control the resource there and then really control whatever device they're connecting from that last aspect you know high a high level of assurance that that laptop or, or PDF or CB or uh, mobile device is uh, is secure and trustworthy is only important as long as um, we don't, you know, have a better way to obfuscate data because if you have a compromised laptop getting access to my system, they can get all the screenshots, they can pull all the data eventually, right? So I think those three components really are the the next ten years of future of security. How I think it changes over the next decade is this move to the cloud is going to, you know, reach. I don't think we're too far away from peak cloud, and then we're going to realize that there's some real um, drawbacks to to peak cloud, peak public cloud at least and we're going to see this drawback where people are are you know rebalancing what it is to you know how much cloud 
cloud do you have? How much internal do you have? And, and I think that's going to be an interesting thing over the next decade to see not everything's going to the cloud, but a lot of commoditized services will be. So it's in, it's interesting you say that. And Alex, I want to get your point of view as well. But if we, if we draw uh, the aperture back a little bit, um, mainframe, distributed computing, right? And then all of a sudden it was no centralized, like, um, sorry, decentralized, like desktop, I need it on my machine, I need my PC. And now it's back to decentralized computing. And, and at some point in time, right, does it make sense from a, a risk perspective, right, to have a more balanced approach towards security? I think the pendulum is going both ways and I, I would not be surprised to see us end up back to some sort of rebalanced portfolio. I, I would agree with that as well, thinking about the long term. Um, we as humans don't do a good job of learning from history. And I, I think if you look back in history, we the pendulum f for lots and lots of things swings way to one side and then way back to the other side and then way back to the first side. Uh, so I would uh, it would not surprise me at all if, it, as Rob said, we get to peak cloud and then people say, ooh, there's all this stuff that's wrong with this. Let's make a, a giant reaction to this and go completely the other way and start going back the other direction. Thinking about more of the, uh, I'll call it short term, but if we're, we're saying 10 years, um, I completely agree with what Rob said. But I also think that we are in a transition in security. If you look at IT in general and kind of parallel it with that, um, you know, thinking from for myself as a CISO, you, you look at the CIO. Uh, maybe ten years ago, you know, people looked at the CIO as somebody. You know, they were the the person in charge of you know managing the computers. They were not a strategic person. They did not help move the business forward. Um, they just made sure that all the IT assets were there and, and that they ran correctly. And, and you know, they were sort of um, a second-tier kind of person. And, and that is still where the, the, the CISO and the security program is today. We are not at the same level um, in most cases as uh, other executives as well as being thought of, you know, as a business driver. Um, I, I think that in the next 10 years, that is going to change. Uh, but I think we have to embrace looking at real risk you know as i've grown up through it and then in, in security a lot of it has been you know you mentioned compliance but a lot of it has been security for security's sake is sort of the way that i think about it it's like hey i see all of these bad things there's lots of bad things out there we got to fix all of the bad things and not really looking at what the risk of those bad things actually is uh, when we can get to the point where Security risk is thought of in the same context as financial risk and, and other sorts of risks, then uh, I, I think that we are going to be at that same level and be more of a strategic partner with the business. Um, and there are lots of people that are moving in that direction, and, and I see that really moving forward in, in the next 10 years. So, so, Rob, you had another answer um, for future future, like the future beyond like potentially right. us being in it. <laughs> yeah, so I, I, you know, in the next 20, 30 years, I do think to, it's a little, little bit of a play on what Alex just said about the evolving role of the CISO, um, where I actually think that all the security operations that we currently do within security departments, most of that should actually move into the business. And it, it's you know, whatever the operations is, should be incorporated into the function of whatever, whoever owns that function for the company. So if we're talking about, you know, firewall management, that's a networking, it's a networking capability. It, it needs to be a networking capability. And the fact that we have this delineation between security and, and networking is based on the fact that networking doesn't do it reliably, right? They, they're just not, they're not able to deliver that. 
uh, with the security we need. I think all of those things should get embedded into the teams that do them. And this is the DevOps world that we're moving into where everything is handled, you know, somebody owns it from soup to nuts. I think security should be embedded into all those requirements. And and the CISO doesn't never goes away though. The CISO becomes this person who who's creating those requirements, who's create who's understanding what the compliance and legal landscape is, understanding the organization's risk tolerance and it has the ability to measure and report on and, and really become the person who can speak to the business's ability to, to deliver on those security requirements and communicate with those business leaders, um, but not have not be the one who's got hands on keyboard. Like, you know, it's currently right now this hybrid where we're trying to do both. I see the future as security is embedded into the functions. There's this oversight that the CISO is doing, and it really moves to more business risk, right? I don't think the CISO, as it's currently created is a top level executive in most organizations because it frankly is a subset of something else. But as it becomes a risk, is a risk leader, right? Someone who understands the risk across the organization, that seems like a really top tier executive to me and where I, where I think we need to be moving. Amen. Yeah, no, I think organizational design and reporting structures matter a lot and probably move the needle quite a bit for the industry going forward. Um, let me ask you guys this question. It's in the same same vein, but w- maybe a little bit different. Um, what do you think that the information security industry today is doing right? Like, there's, we, we're easy. We're, we're pessimists by nature. We're skeptical by nature. We like to point out flaws and vulnerabilities. But on the other side of the coin, what are we doing that's good right now? And you think about where we came from, right? Like, in your mind, I'll start with you, Rob. And if you want to pass to Alex, <laughs> what are we doing that's really like this? This makes sense. This is right. This is good. I don't know that I have a great answer. Um, yeah. It's a tough one. I think we can do a lot better in a lot of areas. So what we're really, I, I, I think I could start off by saying what we need to be doing better of is, is actually practicing what we preach. Right. You look at the SANS top 20 or any framework that says you need to understand your environment you're working in. The, the top number one control of the critical security controls or SANS top 20, it used to be called, is to know your asset inventory. Right. And in your staff, your, that's your hardware asset inventory, your software asset inventory. We don't do that very well. We don't do vulnerability management, patch, you know, patching. We don't do um, what, what I would call the fundamentals very well. Um, so those people who are focusing on that and it really you actually have a huge leg up, right? If you can get good at those fundamentals, you can stop the vast majority of bad things from happening to your environment. You know, network segmentation, knowing knowing what your perimeter looks like, those types of things. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not sure I'm answering your question, Andre, about what we do very well. I, I think that that's what we need to be doing very well. Um, and here we go. Here's what we do really well. We, <laughs> we distract CISOs with really shiny new technologies that sound cool and they're willing to spend money on those things, right? That is the, that is what the security vendor market does really well. So I, I have one thing that we do well and, and while we do it well, I think it is also something that hinders us. We do culture really well. Hmm. Um, That's a good point. Security is a really defined culture. And, and if you're a security person, I mean, you take that to your core. Um, I don't necessarily think that that fits in a lot of other disciplines. Um, hey, if I'm a, I'm, I'm an IT guy, all right, you know, okay, I'm an IT guy, I work with computers, but security, it's like, hey, I'm a security guy, I belong with all the security people. Yeah, um, and there's no competitive on that, right? So right. if I run into Alex or we run into some other CISO from, you know, Pulte's biggest competitor or Ping's biggest competitor in the market, 
I don't think there's any competition there, right? It's, right. hey, what do you do to be successful and how can I help you be better at stopping the bad guys? And I think that's a great thing, but it is also a hindrance in that it's it keeps us separated from everything else, right? So it's, oh, security, we are security. We're not, uh, we're not IT, we're not part of the, the business, we're not this, we're security. And, and while I think it is great that we have this great culture, I think that we need to expand also and, and uh, think outside our, our security bubble. It's, it's definitely a badge of honor, right? For, for those that are in information security, risk compliance, we're proud of what we do, right? And, and it, it, we need to expand that community. And you guys are doing that here through the podcast, through the ch- Slack channel. It's happening. Love to see it happen even faster. Hmm. So... That being said, I want to switch over because, again, we're, we are in a celebratory mood here, right? It's 100 episodes. I kind of want to pivot back to the podcast in and of itself, right? Some, some fact-finding, some, some, some laughs, right? Looking back, looking forward. Um, one of the questions I, I want to ask you guys because I personally want to know, um, besides Colorado equals security, what other names were considered? Oh, that's a good question. So I remember I uh, I sat down with five or six other local security people as we were coming up with this idea. And the, the name was always really hard. So there was this placeholder where, well, just for now, we'll put Colorado Equal Security on the board and we'll come up with a better name later. That was, <laughs> that, that was act literally how it went. Like, I don't know what the name is, but we'll put this because I got to put something. Um, and spent... I don't know, a significant amount of time talking about other ideas, um, but no other, I, I don't remember any other ideas being significantly considered. Yeah, I don't remember either. I do remember we had a list, but I, I'd be hard pressed to tell you what any other things on the list were. Yeah, I remember the domain, the, the, the day we did all the domain searches and tried to right. figure out what we could get. <laughs> Colorado Security, not available. Just so you all know, not are, available. <laughs> are you squatting on any other domains right now in and around yours? We have, uh, we have colorado-security.com and we have co-sec.co because that, was, that fit really nicely like on, a, on a really small logo. So you could click that link and it would pop you out yeah, to the, the main website. That was one of my biggest concerns was, you know, we were trying to get Colorado-security. Well, we wanted Colorado security, but Colorado-security.com was the best we could do. And I thought, man, that's a really long domain name for people to try and type in. I, I remember um, Alex saying, I'm like, oh, yeah, Colorado-security. That, that sounds good. He's like, you mean Colorado minus security? <laughs> <laughs> oh, Not what we're looking to accomplish. Sadly, uh, you can't put an equals in a domain name. Oh, well. Maybe in the future. Of maybe the in next, the future. Maybe in the future of the next uh, internet, we'll have the ability to use the equal sign uh, in right. there. Um, so, so in previous episodes, Rob's talked about the intro song and the band, and right, it, it it's actually a good segment of a song. As <laughs> as a as a musical band, maybe their other works aren't as interesting, right? That just generally saying, um, has there been discussion? about updating after a hundred episodes, are we entertaining new new music, new intro music? So I'll, I'll say from our perspective, everything we do is about the least amount of effort that we have to do to, to, to get it done. Um, so unless there was some driving force that people were like, ooh, this music is horrible, we need something else, we're probably gonna stick with this, the same stuff. I think with that said, if there is a, a listener who has a band here in Colorado yeah. who thinks they could put together a, what was it, 30-second intro and a 30-second 
you know, transition piece for us, I'd be happy to, to hear what that is and, and see if it, it makes a difference. I'd love to have a Colorado band do it. Yeah. So, so any musicians out there do, do, do a, a 30 second bit, submit it. We'll listen to it. And, and these guys will decide. Um, it's been great. It's been 100 episodes, right? Maybe, maybe it's time for some other considerations. It needs, uh, it needs to be good at two times speed as well, though. That's <laughs> right. That's right. A lot of people listen to the podcast fast. Um, but, you know, Rob has said this many times. If you and I think you can follow the link that's at the bottom of the show notes to get to the, the actual song in the band that we use the, the little clip of. And it's not even I don't even know if it's 30 seconds. It's really, really short. But if you listen to that whole song. It's, it's probably it's pretty not, terrible. It's not the best. <laughs> it's terrible. But that little bit, that is great. So so what I hear you saying is that we're not gonna use them at the RMISC or the holiday party to yeah, entertain. We're, we're probably not bringing them in as entertainment. At, at this, I, I'm hoping they're not listening to this episode because <laughs> I, I would feel bad for them if they are. Yeah, well, I mean, if they have new stuff, we'd love to hear it. it it's royalty-free music. You know, what yeah. can you expect? Yeah, there's a, there's a website out there that has the, the royalty-free music, like Alex said. So that's that's where we found this. So, so as you guys came up with the logo, and we've distributed, right, T-shirts and mugs and thongs out to the community <laughs> at large, um, any consideration for updates to the logo? You know, that honestly, that is one thing that I have thought about. Um, you know, you see properties where they, the logo morphs over time or they get different versions of the logo. Um, our logo was actually created on a, on a free logo website. So you, I was like expecting, AI, right? AI. Right. I was expecting to hear cocktail napkin. Well, no. So we didn't honestly didn't have anything to do with the actual picture itself. Um, you, you go to the website, you put in like the terms that you wanted to think about uh, when creating the logo and it spits out a bunch of potential logos. And then we, yeah. we went through and, you know, narrowed it down to a few and then finally settled on the one that we have. But I would say the only difference, Alex, is is if you remember, we couldn't put an equal sign in the in the search terms. That's true. And so you added the equal so sign. So, yes, it, my, to the my Photoshop skills, after the logo came out, I put the equals in the background. So uh, I'd be totally down for that, yeah. coming up with, uh, with other new or, you know, one-off or limited time kind of logos, whatever it might be. Yeah, so, be so a call to the community, once again, if you're a musician, send us some music. And if you're an artist and you have an idea for what the logo could or should look like, submit it to Rob and Alex. They'll check it out. Sweet. Awesome. So uh, as we look forward, it's it's 2019. Yeah, no, it is 2019. What does the future of Colorado equals security look like? Are, 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 we now, are we now staring down episode 200, 500? Are we? Are, are, are we going international? Like, I don't, I don't know. Like, what's happening next? You know, I, I think I think at this point we don't really know, but we're really looking at, still at the same mission, right? The, the mission is to bring the community together, and whatever it is that's going to make that happen, uh, I think that that's where, what we're going to go for. That's kind of been my motto, you know, through, you know, being at the ISSA chapter and, and now doing this stuff. It's, hey, put forth... A, a compelling product that people want and, and you will get a, a community and an audience there. So uh, if that continues to be the podcast to be what people think is a compelling um, mission and, and uh, thing to put out, then yes, we will continue to do it at this point. I don't think we have any, um, any desire to stop, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, I think we're just going to try and keep bringing the community together, do things to bring the community together uh, and move forward. Yeah, I'd say a few things. There's, we have been, we've worked really hard to make sure that this is not about, um, you know, creating just yet another com- 
competitive organization to the groups that are already in town, right? We're really trying to augment what's already happening and show off what's already happening. You know, we have a company's webpage that shows you the the security vendors who are here in town and an orgs page that shows you all the groups you can go meet with in person because we want to be a part of that. We think there's a lot more room for other things that really show off what's happening in town. And we've we've actually brainstormed ideas of things we'd love to do that we just don't do because of because of capacity issues, right? We we feel like we're pretty well at capacity for what we can do there. Uh, I'd say if there's people in the community who want to get involved, um, you know, reach out. I, I say we're, I'm probably not going to respond to your email and say, here, you're on the board. It's more of a relationship type of a thing at this point where we want to where we want to get involved. But I think there's opportunities for us to to really expand what Colorado Equal Security means. Um, and and we, we'd love to, to get some help with that. Um, cause like I said, we are at capacity. Another thing, if folks are listening, if they want to help out is the, the interview segments we do, that is probably the hardest thing for Alex and I to, to do is, is scheduling those weekly interviews where we sit down with someone with, you know, with our lives, you know, it, it's, it's just hard to prioritize that time and, and sit down with folks. Uh, we would love it if, if there's some folks out there who are interested in helping us do the interviews, help us sit down with someone and record an interview on your own, send it to us. And, you know, we could even include that as a part of the show, as long as it's relevant, as long as it's somebody who we think would be, you know, interesting to the audience. Yeah, exactly. Um, so that, that brings up something that, uh, I've been thinking about a lot and I've been wanting to ask you guys. And, um, what are, what are some of the funnier moments from Colorado equal security that like, lands on the cutting room floor that like doesn't make there's always the behind the scenes stuff right there's a lot of stuff that goes on right is, is there a story out there throughout the hundred episodes where where you're you're like oh man like i'm so glad we got that or oh man i'm so glad we didn't get that or can you believe that didn't happen or did happen like give give the listeners some uh some behind the scenes stuff yeah so so generally we record sunday mornings that's you know a time that alex and i are able to get together um Sunday mornings, you know, we'll get together. We, we, we're pretty quick. We, we go in through our, we use a, a collaboration tool for all of our show notes. We go through the show notes, talking through, record it. We post the show. We're done, right? That's generally it. But if we, you know, Sunday mornings are busy when we record occasionally on a Friday night or a Saturday night, it's a very different, it's a very different environment. That's when, um, drinks come out. Uh, usually a couple of drinks before you hit record. Um, if you've listened to all the episodes, you could probably pick out the ones where we, where we recorded on a Friday or Saturday night. Um, and, and yes, those are the times that we're also editing things out of the show because maybe that was a little more that we meant to share there or, you know, occasionally some of those things even slip through. Yeah. I think you would be surprised that there are very few, uh, pieces that are sort of behind the scenes or that were cut out though. Um, you know, if, if you were in a, in a big sort of uh, commercial production, you know, they might record, you know, say an hour's worth of stuff to get down to 15 minutes of, uh, of show, right? We hit record, we talk, and then we hit stop and we're done. Our, our goal, again, is as little work as possible. So if we don't have to do any editing, that's awesome for us, right? So I think most of the time what you hear is what actually happened, and when I sit 90 plus percent of the time, there was no editing done yeah. in terms of cutting pieces out it, of the, of the you, stuff. 
the vast majority of the time. And when I did my solo episode, whenever it was a few weeks ago when you were on vacation and I didn't have time to get a sub, that was the most editing I'd ever done. I think I stopped three times and backed up and started again because it was, it was kind of hard to do on my own. Um, whenever I interview somebody, a feature interview, I tell them, listen, making mistakes in like even like verbal flubs is a good thing. It's a humanizing thing. It, it makes everyone, you know, feel like you're not part of a polished, you know, professional thing, but actually getting to know the real person. So we, we try and follow the same thing. You know, we make a mistake when we're talking here, we, we let it go and we don't worry about it. Yeah. I think also, um, there've been a few times where we have recorded a show and then realized that Oh, you know, it wasn't recording or the sound was off or, you know, one of the mics wasn't on or something like that. It, it's, it's been pretty rare, but there have been, I don't know, at least two or three times where we've recorded a whole show, including the first show, right? Including the first show, um, <laughs> episode and, one <laughs> and, and got done and we're like, Oh, uh, this is either doesn't sound good or it didn't record or, you know, whatever it was that's happened a few times, but that sucks when that happens. It, it does suck. <laughs> it does suck. Um, you know, Again, we try and do the least amount of time possible, and when you have to re-record something completely, yeah, that's no fun. What's, what's funny is if you do one of those, and on the second run through, if you use the same joke, <laughs> the other person, ha ha ha, the other person still laughs, but it's because Jesus, you just use the same joke again. <laughs> I thought it was because the laugh sign in the in the in the studio lit up and it said laugh and. Oh, I laugh now. Okay, ha, ha, ha. You know, the, the laughter from the studio audience isn't nearly as good, though. <laughs> no, no, not, not nearly as good. <laughs> um, so so we're, we're coming close on time here. I want to be sensitive to that. Um, I, I want to thank you guys again for, for you know, A, uh, for me, inviting me in to have the opportunity to uh, interview you guys. Um, you guys have done an amazing job, and uh, to be affiliated and associated with the organization is pretty awesome, and well, it's a privilege and honor to spend time with you guys doing this. Uh, I truly enjoy it. Um, as you think back on on a hundred episodes, a hundred podcasts, um, what are some of the the most memorable things that stand out to you? I'll ask each of you for your top two things. Right, there's a lot of great moments in there. Maybe there's a learning. Maybe there was a funny experience. But what would you like to share with the users when you think back across a hundred podcasts? Um, right, like. What's what's number one in your mind? Then number two, and 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 Rob will have you do the same. So uh, I, we can go back and forth. I'll do one, and then Rob, you can do one. Okay. I think the biggest thing for me has been we'll record something and we'll go, "Ooh, this is really awesome! People are gonna love this." And then you go look at the numbers of downloads and things like that, and it's like, why why is no one actually listening to this? Yeah. I, I think this should be awesome. And then we go. Um, you know, nothing against any people that we've uh, interviewed, but it's like, yeah, this probably wasn't the best interview we've ever had. And then all of a sudden it's like through the roof and it, it sort of defies uh, logic. Yeah. Uh, I'd say <clears throat> I have, I have two pretty clear favorites. Um, if you guys were around, it was early 2017. We, I had Cal Fussman on the show. So if you, I don't know if you guys are familiar with the Tim Ferriss podcast. Tim Ferriss interviewed this guy, Cal Fussman. I don't, I don't listen. I did not at the time listen to Tim Ferriss at all. Um, Jonathan Wood, who actually works for Risk IQ, sent me a text saying, hey, you should listen to this podcast. And I'm like, all right, I'll give it a shot. I'll, I'll trust you. And it was an amazing podcast, just an amazing storyteller. And I kind of fell in love with this guy's ability to tell a story. Um, and as a part of, you know, being a part of the Rocky Mountain Information Security Conference, I was able to get Cal to 
become a, a keynote speaker for us. And I used that to be like, Hey, maybe I can get him on the podcast. Right. And he came on the podcast and it turned into, you know, I, I think friendship might be too strong a word, but at least an acquaintanceship with him. This guy who I got to hear on this massive podcast, who I was able to use to, um, to help the security, the security community, but also then get to know a little bit. And we actually went to dinner a couple of times and he's invited me to, to come out to Los Angeles and, and meet with him. Um, and, and it's just a really neat thing that, you know, way beyond what you'd expect being part of the, the Colorado security community, um, getting to know this guy and, um, really a personal way. Didn't he fight Muhammad Ali? Uh, it was, no, it wasn't him. It was, um, he, he interviewed Muhammad Ali. He fought, oh shoot. Uh, was it uh, Roberto Duran? Who was it? It was Julio Cesar Chavez. Yes. Yes. And and so and, it, and that's insane. So anyone listening, <laughs> do a Google search for for Cal Fussman and Julio Cesar Chavez, and you're gonna there's a an image. You're gonna see the image of this guy fighting him. Um, it's it's an amazing story. I'm not gonna ruin his story. Listen to it as he trains for that fight. One of my favorite things I've listened to. It's fantastic. So I think. The other thing that that I think has been the most awesome, um, and it's not a specific moment, but it's just the amount of people that I have been able to talk to that I probably would not have talked to if it wasn't for the podcast. Um, And along with that, it's really amazing how open people are. And I don't know if it's our community or just in general, but if you ask someone, hey, would you like to be on the podcast? Can I come talk to you? Almost... Almost all the time, someone is just, sure, I'd be happy to. And you're like, oh, I don't know you. Um, <laughs> why would you say that to me? Um, you don't know my podcast. You don't You don't know anything. But uh, for the most part, you ask someone to be on the podcast, you're like, great, I would love to be on the podcast. I'm happy to talk to you. And I've met so many people that I wouldn't have met otherwise by doing these interviews. Uh, and, and if I go to a specific m- moment, you know, I, Whenever I start my feature interviews, when I'm when I'm playing the on the Andre Gator role, um, I, I usually start talking about something that's just not related to security at all, right? So, and that's that's probably my favorite part of the whole interview. I've heard the security story a lot of times, and and of course, there's a lot to learn from them. But I love to hear about the personal aspect of it. And sitting with Patrick Quinlan, Patrick is the founder and C, or I guess he's a CEO. I'm not sure he's a founder of Conversant, a local company. And I, when I kind of got into the personal side with him, I had no idea what I was going to get into. And he tells me about growing up in a divided Germany. He grew up in West Germany and the trip that he would make. So personally, when I think of, you know, there's West, East and West Germany, and then there's East and West Berlin, right? The countries each owned half of Berlin, but Berlin is not in West Germany. It's not on the border. Berlin is like two hours into East Germany. I didn't know that. So he tells the the, tri- the story about the trip on the train from West Germany into Berlin, into West Berlin, and the seeing the difference between freedom and oppression. And it's just this visceral, like vivid thing that he gets to see and how that has defined his entire life. And, and if you guys haven't listened to the Patrick Quinlan interview, which is another one that Alex said, like Alex said, like to me, that's maybe the best, one of the best interviews we've ever done. Um, not, maybe not the best numbers for listeners. Um, that's worth listening to with his story talking about, about that experience. That was, uh, a, a real big thing for me and something that I just didn't see coming. And it was really an honor to be a part of that. Yeah. It's, it's always fun when you don't see it coming, when you don't anticipate yeah. it. Right. And all of a sudden there's that magical moment where it captivates you and you know, you're hanging on yeah. every word and the experience you went into like expectations. Right. And then it de- 
defies all expectations yeah. to something totally different. That that's a fun experience. Yeah. And a really cool thing is Conversant actually uses that interview as an onboarding thing for their employees. Everyone who gets hired at awesome. Conversant is given this interview to I think it's probably an optional, I'm just guessing, an optional listen to like you want to know about the company and the guy, here you go. And that's kind of a cool thing too. You know, I, I'm going to add one more thing, um, even though I'm, I'm going out a, a turn a little bit here at, at a third thing. So when Rob and I started this, you know, neither of us had had any experience doing podcasting. None. Um, n- no audio experience. Um, no, you know, we are in true Rob fashion, right? It's like, let's just do this. We'll, we'll buy some stuff. We'll <laughs> jump in do and it. we'll do it. Um, so, so since we started this, um, at my, my day job, um, myself and another person, we started an, an internal podcast at my company. So, um, you know, we had some, some HR initiatives that, um, that I won't go into, but based on those, um, along with this other person, we thought, Hey, it would be cool to have an internal podcast to talk about some of these specific things that we're, we're doing here in the office. And so he and I started this podcast internally at the company and, that's not something that I would have ever thought of doing before. But now all of a sudden it's like, Hey, I'm a podcast. I'm a podcaster. I have experience in this. He also has his own podcast on, on another topic. Um, uh, shout out to, to rich in the, uh, the mile high endurance podcast. So if you're, you're into triathlons, uh, go ahead and listen to that. Um, but, uh, that's been a really cool thing for me too, is that we've sort of made a difference in our own company from doing the, the podcast stuff that was not, complete at all related to things that I do on, on a day-to-day basis. Yeah. So, so, so we're going to start to wind it down. Uh, I had a whole slew of questions around <laughs> like, so what was it like on day one when you showed up and like, like, okay, we're going to do this. Like, how, like, is it like just like a wireless mic? Is it like, how, how do you build a podcast? Like what exactly. do you do? What like, you do is you send Alex a note saying, Hey, could you find us some mics for a podcast? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, exactly. So, um, uh, again, I want to thank you guys for your time. And on behalf of all the listeners and the folks that get the benefit of uh, Colorado Equal Security, the events, um, the job postings, the current news, right? Uh, the banter, um, the, the the informality, right, that you guys bring to the space is, is well received by the community. And again, I think we're all extremely appreciative of it. Uh, and, and we're seeing that by the numbers continuing to grow. So uh, I want to encourage you guys to please keep doing it, uh, have fun doing it. And the more fun that you have, I think the more fun that we have. And I think it's just a reciprocal thing that just keeps getting better over time. Um, as we get ready to depart for today, uh, I guess um, I'll ask each of you for any final thoughts. And it's a it's an open canvas of anything, right? As we depart uh, on the interview for the 100th podcast Anything at all that you'd like to share, top of mind? It could be personal. It could be professional. Whatever you got, uh, we'll start with you, Rob. Um, yeah, I, I'd say message I gave when I when I left ISSA and, and, and actually when I when I had the chance to talk in front of the Apex Awards uh, a couple months ago. The this is not a participate or excuse me, this is not a, a a spectator sport, right? Security, community, life, right? As much as possible. Uh, we should all be looking for ways to spend less time binge watching on Netflix, which is, by the way, not a bad thing. I recently watched that new uh, that new Black Mirror. Was it Banderbox? Bandersnatch. Bandersnatch. Whatever. Scoot. Bander. Something. It, it is a uh, choose your own adventure Netflix uh, horror movie. Whatever. And, and anyway, uh, 
life is not a spectator sport. As much as we can, let's move away from watching TV and getting involved. And and Colorado Equal Security, you know, you're listening to the podcast. We, we really appreciate that. We want you to keep listening on your drives, but let's get involved as well, right? The the Slack channel is a good way to start to meet people, but then there's another step after that, right? How do we how do we go from beyond that to to making a difference, to helping, you know, teach some kids about security, to helping, you know, uh, get some, get some, uh, less represented groups as a part of security. I don't know what your personal passion is, but man, find something and get involved. I know Alex and I, we're not going to do this forever. Um, we would love to have somebody else get really involved with us and help us, you know, build this thing out, um, and look for a way for Colorado equal security to become, um, something that lasts beyond, beyond when we're the ones running the whole thing. Yeah. And I think, uh, one of the things that I've learned a lot from Rob is just go do something. You know, he's talking about getting involved. A lot of times people feel like there's some barrier to doing something. Hey, you have an idea, just go start doing it. Just do something. Um, Doesn't really matter exactly what it is. Go start doing something. The whole Densec community came exactly that way. Exactly. You know, you'll start doing it and and things will evolve and it may change. You may find out it's not the right thing to do and you'll go do something else. But but just start and go do something. You don't have to have uh, something formal or permission or whatever. Just do it. Take action, do take action, right? Don't, take some don't, action. You know, have a plan, but go do something and, and doing nothing, not really a viable option, right? Yeah. The thing may not go as well as you'd hoped, right? But then you pick yourself up, you dust yourself off, and you right, you keep trying. It's so, great learning. It's great learning when it sucks. Sure is. Yeah, for sure. Well, as we wind it down here, uh, you know, uh, Happy New Year again. 2019 is here. Thank you guys for all you do uh, from all of us to all of you. We really appreciate it. Looking forward to a great 2019 and beyond. And uh, for all the listeners out there, have a happy new year and uh, look forward to seeing you out there. Thanks, Andre. Thanks, Andre. Learn more about the Colorado security scene at colorado-security.com, where you can see information about local security groups, a calendar of upcoming security events, and learn more about Colorado equals security. Reach out to Alex and Rob by emailing info at colorado-security.com. Until next time, remember, Colorado equals security.